ESV version. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and his himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading of his word. Today we are continuing our sermon series on Unless the Lord Builds It. We have Minister Jeff preaching on the role of the wife. Let's turn our time over to him as he shares from God's word. Morning, Crossbridge. Wow. I feel like I say this every time, but it's so good to worship with all of you in person. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And and hello again to our Crossbridge members worshiping with us at home. This morning, we are going to continue from where we left off last week. Last week, we looked at the role of the husband, and and this week, today, this morning, we're going to be looking at the role of the wife in Ephesians 5. Now, if you're new here, uh, maybe you missed last week's message. We've been preaching from our sermon series, Unless the Lord Builds It, Being a Christian Family in 2021. And this week and last week, we basically took this one passage in Ephesians 5 and we split it into two sermons. Uh, Essentially, maybe a a two-part sermon that complements each other. So the role of the husband last week and the role of the wife this week. And maybe as you were listening to Joyce uh, read the passage, you, you might pick up that it's, it's not an easy passage, particularly because of the language it uses that on its surface, it might rub a lot of people the wrong way. It's not always an easy passage because I feel like whenever it gets brought up, there's always a lot of explanation, a lot of clarification. And this passage also just happens to be one of the more popular passages that is read at weddings. And so last week, if you, were, uh, you remember, I recalled a wedding that I had attended many years ago outdoors. And the, past, uh, the pastor, of course, was preaching and, and reading from Ephesians 5. And apparently because we were outdoors, maybe because we were in the south, there were these cows nearby that just start mooing when the pastor is referencing the scripture. He's, he's saying, he's reading, you know, husbands are the head of their wives and wives submit to your own husbands. And the cows keep going over and over and over again. 
And it was just the, the strangest and funniest thing. I remember uh, telling you guys last week, I wasn't sure if, you know, the cows were protesting or maybe they were agreeing. You know, they don't teach you these things in seminary, as Dr. Arthurs can attest. You know, you don't tell people to watch out for the cows when you officiate a wedding. But, you know, I'm sure that if people had difficulties with the passage, that the cows helped ease the tension, maybe. But we don't have any cows today, so we're just going to have to go straight to the text. Last week, we looked specifically at the verses that addressed the husbands. And what we saw there was that, yes, Scripture places the the husband in this leadership role in in the marital relationship. But Paul is, is quick to circumscribe that authority so as to preclude any sort of dominion over or abuse of the wife. In fact, verse 24 is where we explicitly see Paul talk about the husband's headship. But there he's not even addressing the husbands directly. That's not what, I guess, necessarily what he wants the husbands to focus on. When he actually does address the husbands directly in verse 25, what does he say? His focus is is not to rule over your wife. His focus is not to lord it over them or over her. The command is to love your wives and to do so as Christ loved the church. And so now what we're talking about, he's raised the bar. It's a sacrificial love. It's a costly love. It's a self-denying love. It is a love that, is, uh, that would readily, willingly, and joyfully seek your wife's interests above your own. It is a love modeled after the ultimate example of love. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for a people who were different from him and who hated him. And so, yes, husbands are to lead, but they do so by loving their wives, not by lording it over them. It's an incredible command. And God, through Paul, is painting for us a picture of the marriage relationship. So we got half of it already pictured now, and this is maybe what we keep in mind as we continue on in this passage, as we tackle the other role the role of the wife. So if you're here with us in person, you can flip to the pew Bibles. If you're watching online, you can open your phones or find a Bible at home, and you can turn with me to Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. And again, this is how Paul is beginning this passage. He says, wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husbands. Man, that is a statement. I could use some cows right now. Submit. You know, that, that is probably right, uh, the word that most people take issue with. Because what, what picture comes to mind when you think of submission? We might think it, it might ha- means you, you have to follow certain traditional gender roles or, or you know, stereotypical uh, masculine and feminine behavior or actions. You know, maybe when we think of submission, we think of being inferior, having less worth, the loss of dignity, a sign of weakness. Or perhaps submission in our minds means total and complete blind obedience. 
I don't think Paul has any of these things in mind when he's talking about submission. Submission is not the same thing as subservience. The word he uses here is even also different from the word he uses for obey, which he applies later to children. Children obey your parents. It's different. Uh, To submit, in a sense, means to arrange under. Paul is talking about a divinely ordered relationship. And submission is acknowledging the distinction of roles while affirming the equality of worth. And so when we talk about submission here, Paul is, you know, he's really careful to emphasize that it's voluntary. It is not forced upon. So in in the grammar, there's a couple of different voices. Maybe some of you guys remember this from from grade school. Uh, There's the active voice, right? Uh, For example, I hit the ball. I am the subject doing the action. There's the passive voice. I was hit by the ball. The action is done to me. But in Greek in particular, and it's hard to, kind of hard to translate into English, there's this middle voice. Maybe you might translate it as I hit the ball for myself. Uh, it's basically emphasizing that the subject is doing the action and also kind of receiving the action. The point is that the submission is voluntary, that the wife willingly chooses this. The, the, the spouse, the wife, is not being forced by the husband or by anyone else into submission. And we said la- last week that this submission is, is drawing from the previous verse, you know, where Paul calls all Christians to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, that's kind of where we started in the scripture reading, verse 21. You know, it was in the middle of a sentence, but it, it's, that's where a natural break is. And then we could go all the way back even to verse 15. And there Paul is exhorting his Christian readers to look at how they live. And and so one of the ways in in which they do that is one of the ways is being filled with the Spirit. And then now Spirit-filled Christians will submit to one another. You kind of follow Paul's line of thinking. And then now Paul applies that teaching of spirit-filled Christians submitting to one another, he applies it directly, specifically to the home, to the nature of the marital relationship between husband and wife. And feeding all into this from verse 21, we see that the motivation for this submission is out of reverence for Christ. The literal word there is fear. Again, another word that we might impose our experiences or our meanings on. But we're not necessarily talking about uh, fear as in terror or intimidation or the type of fear you might experience when you watch the latest horror movie. And, and many people will talk, well, fear means reverence. And reverence is there. Fear means it's respect. But I think it's also more than that when you think about who the subject is. It's a sense of awe that completely fills you when you stand in the presence of the almighty, all-powerful God. In the Chronicles of Narnia, Susan and and Lucy, they're these two kids, these two characters. They're getting ready to meet Aslan the lion. 
And for C.S. Lewis, uh, Aslan the lion represents Christ. And there's these two talking animals, because this is a fictional story, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they prepare their children for the encounter. Oh, said Susan, you know, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, says Mrs. Beaver, and make no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The God we worship is the king. He is the one to be feared. And no, he isn't safe, but he is good. And, and so there's that tension that we feel when we think about reverence for Christ, fear of God. This is the type of fear that, that Paul talks about, that when we behold Christ, it, it, it leads us to submitting to one another which Paul then takes and applies to the marriage relationship. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now let's be clear, he's not talking about every woman submitting to every man. Verse 21 might get at that, but then we would also make the point that he would also say that every male, uh, male believer submitting to every female believer. I mean, that's the whole idea of mutual submission, right? But here he's simply addressing the marriage relationship. And the reason he gives is this. Verse 23, 4. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The husband's headship. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And so our passage then gives two motivating statements uh, for the wife. In the same way that last week we talked about two motivating statements uh, for the husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church and as, as husbands as you love yourself. So here, for the wife, the first, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 22. It, it's saying that, that part of their submission to the Lord is their submission to their husbands. This voluntary act of submission is not there because of the wife's role in society or because of anything else. It's grounded in Christ. It is to be understood as part of the way she serves Jesus. But what does that really mean then? Last week we talked about how the command to, for husbands to love their wives is not conditional upon their wives' submission. I think that's really challenging, right? That we are to to show grace to our wives, even if they don't show grace to us. We, we're, we're not to think, well, I'm going to be humble only if they're humble first. In the same way, likewise, then, the wife's submission is not conditional upon the husband, perfectly obeying Christ or exemplifying Christ's leadership and love, because as you know, the wives here can probably attest as you look to your husbands, they're not Christ. But we need to be real careful here. Because you know, as I'm preaching this, I'm like realizing you know, it's, 
it's less alarming and maybe even controversial to tell husbands to love their wives unconditionally. No one's going to have a problem with that. More alarming, right, to say to wives to acknowledge that husband's leadership role, even when they don't look a lot like Christ. But here's the thing, because Paul is tying that submission with the submission to the Lord. He, he grounds it in Christ, and because of that, there's a couple of implications. Well, and a lot of clarification again. One, there's no room for for Christian wives following their husbands lead into sinful practices, into unethical or unlawful behavior. Because if if part of your submission to husbands, your submission to Christ, part of the way you serve your husband to serve Jesus, there's no room for that. For sin. There's no room for submission to sin, whether it's the wife sinning or even the wife subjecting themselves to the sin of others, whether it's abuse or, or any such thing. Now, cl- clearly, if submitting to your own husband is part of the way that you serve Jesus, but then the former is putting you in a position that compromises the latter, then I think it seems rather appropriate to follow the teaching of the apostles I think in Acts 5, where they say, well, we must obey God rather than men. So that's the first motivating statement. The second one is this. Submit to your own husbands as the church submits to Christ. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The church's submission is then a model, an example for the wife's submission. And again, that middle voice that we talked about is being used here. So the, the church willingly, voluntarily, readily, joyfully submits herself to Christ. And this submission, he says, in everything, covers every area of life. From family to finances, in the same way that husbands are to love their wives in every area of life. What does this look like? We, We already said a lot of what it's not, right? Submission is not subservience. It doesn't necessarily mean following certain types of roles. There's a difference between form and function. We talked about that last week. The the function or, or mean is still husband's love. Wives submit. But the first century form to express that will probably differ from the 21st century form, even if the meaning still remains the same. And so the challenge for us is not necessarily interpretation, but application. It's addressing the the question of how these roles can can, uh, be symbolically communicated. And that might change over time and perhaps even between couples. Generally, though, I think it's a recognition of the leadership role coming from the husband and a willingness to align yourself when the husband tries to take initiative, to support him, to build him up. And like the husband, it's a self-giving love, a response that does not seek to undermine each other, but to support them and to build them up. And as I was reading, you know, these different commentaries and articles, one thing really struck out to me. 
it was that these articles and commentaries spent a lot of time talking about what submission was not. They spent a lot of space setting up boundaries, giving a a negative uh, definition, not necessarily a, a positive one. So one scholar had a list like a whole list with things like, okay, well, submission does not make the husband the boss and the wife the servant. Submission does not lead to the wife's loss of herself or her identity. Uh, Submission does not mean that the wife loses her voice and that decisions are made unilaterally. Submission does not set the wife up for emotional, verbal, or physical abuse. And, And so, yes, we can define submission negatively to help us understand submission. That's a helpful way to go about it. But I think the question that came up in my mind at the same time was, why is there so much space dedicated to defining it negatively? Maybe because these negative decisions, uh, definitions are the very things that have regularly occurred because of a misunderstanding and abuse of this passage. And that's sad. And maybe that's also why Paul, uh, in in his God-given insight and wisdom, spends a considerable amount of space addressing the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrificial love. Costly love. Love that is willing to lay down your life. Now, as we zoom out, we see both roles are important. This is how Paul ends the passage drawing it together, verses 31 to 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so what we see is that marriage is a mirror of the mystery of the gospel. Marriage is a reflection. It's uh, reflecting something else. You look at marriage and you ought to be seeing something else. You ought to be seeing the gospel. There's this mystery that Paul talks about is the gospel. Specifically, it's a picture of Christ and the church. And so here's a, a third word, maybe, that we might misunderstand. You know, Paul talks about a mystery, right? When we think of mystery, we think of something unsolvable right? Undiscoverable. It's, it's a mystery. Probably what is meant when we hear things like, well, God works in mysterious ways, you know, and then some feel like it's a cop-out answer, you know, or a non-answer, because what we're saying is we just don't know. And that may be true in, in that case, because God's ways are higher than ours, but here, Paul talking about mystery, it means something different. It, it's more like an open secret, Mystery as an open secret or a revelation from God. So earlier in Ephesians, to illustrate this, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in the other generation, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And this mystery is that the Gentiles, People like you and me are fellow heirs, members of the same body. The body of Christ, the church, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
Marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. Marriage is there to point others to the beauty of Christ and the church. But this mirroring, as we think about it, it involves two parts. It involves the husband loving his wife as Christ loves the church and the wife gladly submitting to her husband as the church submits to Christ. And so sometimes when we look at a passage like this, we might try and sum it up, right, with a big idea or something like that, and we might think, well, it's why submit husbands lead. Or we might even say, like, why submit husbands rule, which is not necessarily the case, I think. I think we can make a better argument, a better summary to, to say, wives submit and husbands love especially given Paul's emphasis here. You need both. In the same way that you probably need last week's sermon and then this week's sermon. It should go together. So hopefully if you missed last week, you can go back and watch it. You know, there are distinct roles for sure, and yet both still go all the way back to verse 15, where Paul talks about being careful about how we ought to live. Verse 18, about being filled with the Spirit as followers of Christ. And verse 21, about submitting to one another. All that pours into this passage for us this morning. And then for our marriages to mirror Christ in the church, we're talking about a self-giving love, a self-denying love. It is a law that gives up our rights to support, nourish, cherish, and build up each other. Husbands, lead by loving your wives, not by lording it over them. And wives, submit to your own husbands as the church submits to Christ. And again, like last week, for those of us who are married, it might be worth asking your spouse later today or later this week, you know, husbands, am I loving you sacrificially? How can I love you better? Or or the wise, am I supporting you? How can I do so better? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the gospel. We give thanks for Jesus Christ who died on the cross and gave us this example of self-denying, self-giving, sacrificial, costly love. We lift up to you the marriage relationships in our church specifically, that your spirit would be filling us up, that we might go about loving our wives and respecting our our husbands and, and really just pointing others to the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.